We are recording. We're ready. Daisy's excited. She's climbing in into the fort. She escaped into the fort. Yes, that's the thing you can do. Yes, we are back in the fort. Apparently the sound quality was better. I've never been able to make it through a whole episode of listening to myself because I'm self-conscious. But couldn't you tell it was like instantly louder? It um, wasn't as far away sounding. I didn't even try this week. I had a rough week. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't handle that. Uh, In addition. Horribleness. Yeah. Um, but I hear it's better. That's so, it? That's it. Oh, that's okay. all I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hi, I'm Kayla. I'm Jamie. And this is High Crime. And before, actually, before we jump into the murder for this week, I saw something, I was going to say on the news, but really I didn't watch the news. It was a... Mm. article i found online but i thought it was relevant to us okay okay so this woman named sydney loof uh like her (laughs) she had a tinder date Mm. um and she showed the picture of the person that she was going out with on tinder on snapchat to like her friends and stuff oh um and that was really fucking smart Uh (laughs) something else to do because sydney goes missing then they find out Sydney's dead. But when she first Ugh. goes missing, her friends are like, I haven't heard from her in a while. And they're yeah. like trying to text her and call her and she's not answering. Um, and so her best friend, Brooklyn McChrystal. Like that name. name. Um, they would be best friends. Yeah. Uh, it made me think kind of of those Mary-Kate and Ashley detective movies I used to love. Because, you know, I never had a chance to solve any mysteries because like whatever was going on. But like. Mm-hmm. That would have been, like, this is Veronica Mars shit. So she's like, hold on. I remember her sharing a picture. So she traces down the, tracks down the picture. Um, she tracks down the picture, makes a fake Tinder profile, goes on to Tinder, nice. swiping to look for that picture. She finds the match. It's a woman named Audrey. And uh, so she matched with her she started like flirty messaging with her and then when they made a date audrey gave her her phone number uh-huh and so then sydney nope the best friend what's her name um brooke brooklyn yeah brooklyn takes the phone number to police and is like this is where you should start and gives them a fucking lead wow although it, why didn't she just take their picture i don't know i don't know I guess That's she fine. wanted Good. she was like this Gotta is confirm who it, it is. Is. Yeah. yeah 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 so it turns out that Audrey was actually Bailey Boswell, mm. and she and her friend Aubrey Trail are apparently co-conspirators in the murder of Sydney Loof. Wow! So she fucking found this girl's murderer, and that is what I expect you to do for me. Wow. Okay, I can do that for you. I've had to solve crimes in my Hold day. On. Actually, I never solved any of them. I was gonna say, what crimes did you solve? <laughs> Mostly like fun. Like I live next to a meth house and so then there are drive-by shootings and then a fun family game would be to go out and look for shell casings. Oh my god. But I was always the one that was bad at it. I never found him. Kelly always found him before me. Yeah. But <laughs> okay, about that Tinder story. I get really fucking weirded out when I match with someone on Tinder. And then we, like, go on a date or we swap numbers or whatever, and we're still talking, and they delete me off Tinder. 
That, I'm like, what the fuck are you? And, like, sometimes they're like, well, I deleted my Tinder. And I'm like, mm, because he found me? I don't think so. Like, you're not going <laughs> to – I'm great. Not that great. Um, but, no, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? No, Like, are you coming to kill me so there's no trace? That's true. And there, I've on Facebook, people have been posting about that recently. And that happened to me with that that guy, Rudy. Like, we, we matched, and he was messaging me, and we went out. And then I looked because I think I went to show someone. Mm-hmm. And he unmatched me, and I was like – what the hell is that? Like, yeah. are we not taught? He's like, well, we exchanged numbers, so, so why I don't does it matter? To, yeah. And I'm like, no. There's no reason you would, like, you, as soon as you get my number, you keep Tinder, but you just delete me as a match. Like, that's sketchy. This is actually sketchy. And it's like, okay, what? So that you, like, have an organized feed where yeah. you, like, can be like, okay, well, I went out with her, so, like, next one. Instead of just, like, remembering who they are and which ones you've exchange numbers with and which one yeah like you're such a player you need to maintain that no fuck off also again yeah like the picture i want to be able to share a picture especially like with my like friends to Mm -hmm. be like oh like this guy look he's another guy with a soft chin that i'm dating here you go (laughs) um because we're gonna ask yeah and the thing is is then i'll be like i don't have a picture to share oh man that kid from long beach (laughs) i was like can i have your picture or something anyways it was funny because he I got the most passive-aggressive text the next morning that was, like, interesting. You think I'm lame because I deleted my Tinder or whatever? And I was like, who starts, like, a text with interesting, period? Like, fuck (laughs) off, dude. Anyways, the point is, then people will send you a picture that they just took, and they're like, oh, here's what I look like. And I'm like, yeah, you look awful because, like, you're not your Tinder pictures, which we all (laughs) are, like, our best, you know, pictures. So I don't want to show you to my friends and be like, look, here's him rolling out of bed with his soft chin and the camera below it like yeah always mm-mm. below it they look like shitty uh shit what is that called when you get arrested mugshots mugshots yeah all right so don't delete me on tinder no and share your pictures with everyone <laughs> of your significant others share your date maybe pictures. not the last one well, just oh no 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 yeah yeah <laughs> like to keep yourself safe yeah 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 yeah, yeah. not just like poke them around like, don't print them the out time. I was like don't be weird and like ask for too many pictures but no 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 yeah if you're going on a date especially if you feel a little weird about it it does not hurt to send a picture like she just put it on Snapchat super easy she probably just put it on her story or something so like yeah okay okay um I like her okay so. This week, we are talking about drumroll. Wow. That's so bad, but thank you. Uh, Lizzie Borden. Oh, shit. I think this is probably your favorite. Okay, here's the thing is I was thinking about why I'm so interested in it. And it was funny because this other podcast that I like, they were saying how they could not possibly care less about Lizzie Borden. Mm. And I think the reason I'm so interested in it is because there's a Lifetime movie, uh, and Lizzie Borden is played by Christina Ricci. Oh my god, we watched it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. So awesome, in fact, they made a series. Oh my god. Also Christina Ricci. And I think that I really more so like Lizzie Borden. Hey, we can't do that right in front of the microphone. <laughs> I think I like it. Lizzie Borden as played by Christina Ricci because <laughs> like I wonder if I had never seen that movie if I would really care yeah but I really like that it's like don't get me wrong it's lifetime but it's like cheesy in a way that's also wonderful 
because it's kind of campy. But and also, it's, it's and like, it's Christina Ricci. Yeah, and it's also like costumes. Oh, I was gonna say like slightly dark. Oh yeah, you know, oh, like yeah, that's yeah. the biggest problem I have with Lifetime. It's they're too happy. Yeah, right. Because also it was a whole thing of like her living situation, you know, with her family and being just really old fashioned and conservative and stingy. And I mean, oh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of like whole... issues because she's at the time of the murder, I think she's 27 or 28. Same. Yeah. Which <laughs> uh, at that point she's living with her parents and her sister. Same. And, um, She's, I mean, she's an old maid. Like, she's yeah. just, she's just a, a burden on the family at that point. So, of course, you know, because she wants to – Lizzie likes to go out and go to shows and go to parties and be social. Yeah. But she's unmarried, so it's, like, really bad. Her father won't let her do stuff. Well, how is – like, a boy's just going to plop into her bed? Exactly. And that's how you get married. Yeah. So it's – anyway, so there's a lot into this case. Um, it's also very – I mean, the reason the case ends the way it is is sexism, and I'll get more into that. But there's also, you know, a lot of racism, and then there's just a lot of general offensiveness, so. It's like the 1800s, right? Yeah, straight up. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, so um, ready for all the isms. Great. Oh, and I also wanted to mention that this case also features a lot of old school murderinos because I know people are like why does everyone like true crime all of a sudden it's not all of a sudden people have always loved true crime yeah especially women Mm -hmm. but you'll see that a lot in this case too I wonder why that is that we especially love it I don't know but it really is it really is yeah okay so let's go back to the beginning first okay okay. into how this all happened ready uh Lizzie is only three years old when her mother Sarah Borden dies (laughs) I thought you <laughs> when she kills them. No, I thought you were gonna say she was only three years old when she climbed out of the womb. <laughs> Why did you think that? Because <laughs> I was starting at the beginning. <laughs> Is your phone in here? Um, three years old, her mom dies. Yeah, and at the time, her sister Emma was twelve. Oh, um, that's a big age difference. How does her mom die? Just like death, normal stuff. Yeah, she had it was some kind of like stomach issue Mm. apparently it was very painful the book told me oh and so okay Andrew Borden was technically wealthy and Mm -hmm. he you know had a bunch of real estate and he had businesses and so he he a lot of he had a lot of money his family had money too but everyone else in the family all lived up on this hill which is the what is it the hill district where they had like fancy Mm. houses and the wealthy people live but he was so stingy that he lived on Second Street and Fall River because he refused to spend the money. And to the point where, you know, they had got running water, like pumps and stuff, uh-huh. and he had one in their basement. Uh, but he the rooms just had, you know, bowls and pitchers and stuff. Like he there he was purposely not using technology that would make his family's lives easier because he didn't want to spend the money that he did have. He just didn't want to spend it. I mean I wish I was that frugal. Yeah, he was very frugal. Also, why do Irish people always live on hills? Like, think about that. The hills. The hills. Back home, like Nog Hill, Pill Hill. They can look over all the yeah, all the poor people and be snobs. People really love living on hills if you're rich. Except for this guy, the stingy-ass guy. Yeah, he wouldn't. Well, it'd be so great to be part of his family. Exactly, right? 
And even like their cousins lived on the hill. So they were like, they mm. were like the poor cousins, except they, they weren't were. poor. But yeah. They just had a shitty house. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really shitty, but it was small. In 1865, Andrew Borden remarried. Wait, I'm sorry. Are they in Europe? No. They're in oh. Massachusetts. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh, like the street he lives on. Doesn't he live on 2nd Street? In Fall River. <laughs> oh. I got you. Okay. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so he gets remarried, and he kind of – it's like he's doing his daughters a favor almost because the woman he marries is a 37-year-old old maid who had never been married. <laughs> Abby Borden, she was kind of plain and a little curvy, but she was dutiful. <laughs> she was dutiful and she, I mean, she was basically the perfect wife for him because she was just obedient and subservient. You know, she was just at that point happy to get, get out of the house. Yeah, because God forbid you're not married by 37. Yeah. Uh, and initially, they got along when Lizzie was a kid, because like I said, when she her mom died, she was only three. Mm-hmm. But then as she gets older, she stops calling. Well, by the time she's in her 20s, she doesn't call Abby mother anymore. She's Mrs. Borden. And relations are kind of tight, but that's how the whole family was, <laughs> um, just in general. But especially... Uh, so Abby's sister, I think it was her sister or sister-in-law... Abby's. The wife. The wife's sister. So her sister, her husband died. They didn't get anything. She wasn't going to be able to take care of, like, she wasn't going to be able to have a place to live. And so the mom was living with her. So then they both would have been out. And, of course, Abby didn't have any money because she was never just, like, if she needed something, he'd buy it. But he wouldn't give, he never gave her money. Right, right, right. That would give her control. Yeah. But so her family needed this and so she went to him and she never asked for anything so he did it and his daughters were fucking pissed it wasn't even a house for abby it wasn't in her name it was for her sister but the fact that he gave her property made lizzie and emma so fucking pissed they literally so bridget sullivan was their maid that's Kristen stewart in the movie we watched Mm. um and she had to serve them dinner at different hours because they wouldn't eat dinner. Oh, my God. What they lived in the same rats. tiny house. And that, like. I'm ugh. sorry. No. Get the fuck out. Your dad can do whatever the fuck he wants with his money. It was. And the thing is, it's not like. So then at one point, he eventually gets property for them and then, like, lets them sell it. So it's but they're not like, even, no, it's too late. They're just mad because they were like, that's something he should have done for us, not some other woman. But it's like, she's not some other woman. She's his wife. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so all right, that's, no, these, these girls. Yeah. So they, I mean, they're pretty bratty. Uh, in 1891, there's a robbery at the Borden house. Some cash is taken, some jewelry. But wait till you hear when it happened. Okay. It was during the day. Uh-huh. And Lizzie, Emma, and Bridget were all home at the time. Oh! Now, obviously, Lizzie was the prime suspect. She'd allegedly shoplifted from local merchants before. But and taking money out of her own home is so yeah. wrong. Okay. So, they never solved it. <laughs> um, but after that, Andrew Borden wanted everything locked at all times, no matter when. Mm. So, the house was always locked inside and out. Um, then the following year, uh, Lizzie talked to someone she was friendly with in Fall River. She was a seamstress and she would complain to her about Abby was a mean old thing. Listen, 
the Queen of Thorns. I'm listening to Game of Thrones. She's great. I would love to be described as a penal thing. thing. <laughs> That's true. She was great. Uh, then in July of ni- er, 1892, Lizzie and Emma get into an argument and or with not with each other with the family oh okay okay i was like wait that doesn't sound uh, right yeah and so they go to new bedford for a while they have family there but so tensions mm-hmm. are high so it's the murder really shouldn't have been as shocking as it was because mm-hmm. they're basically spending every day setting up this crime <laughs> so a couple weeks after that abby and andrew wake up in the morning this is the parents complaining of stomach sickness Mm. And Abby apparently tells the doctor she thinks someone poisoned her. But the doctor was like, oh, you're being a woman. You're dramatic. (laughs) You old thing. Be quiet. Yeah. You're old and heavy. (laughs) (laughs) So on August 3rd, 1892, Lizzie tries to buy poison from the drugstore. What does that even mean? (laughs) She literally tries to buy prussic acid, which I looked it up and it's like, it's a, it's a colorless, odorless very strong poison. Why would it be at the drugstore? She claimed she wanted it to clean her seal skin cape. <laughs> it really oh my God, doesn't it make any sense. Keeps getting better. No, this my honestly seal skin cape. It's so ridiculous. It's like the Casey Anthony trial. It's like every single step of the way, the evidence just gets more in her favor, and somehow she still gets off. This is. In- I mean, like, what? Can you imagine? Like, oh, yeah, this woman, she came in. She yeah, she tried, tried to buy poison, poison but, but it was I okay. didn't sell it to her because she didn't have a good enough reason. But I'm sure it wasn't anything <laughs> devious. Yeah, yeah. She was trying to clean her seal, uh, what was it? Seal skin, skin cape. cape. And I told her, poison's not the thing for you. It's lemon. <laughs> uh, that night, a family friend, he might have been an uncle, John Morris, he comes to stay with the Borden family. That night, Lizzie visits her friend Alice Russell, and she talks about all the enemies her father has and how she's really scared something bad is going to happen to him, a.k.a. setting up the opportunity for a suspect who is not her. I love it. The morning of August 4th, 1892, Andrew, Abby, and John, they all get up early in the morning. They have a light breakfast because, remember, they were complaining of stomach pains. Mm, mm-hmm. Bridget Sullivan, the maid, was also sick from the same thing. She went outside to vomit. Wait, she is sick too? Mm-hmm. Is that? Okay, we'll get to this. Yeah, so Bridget Sullivan's outside. She's getting sick. John leaves around 8.45 in the morning, and Lizzie comes down then and also has a simple light breakfast at 9.00. Andrew then leaves. He, Lizzie gives him letters to mail. So he's like, he goes and does his like morning walk and everything. Mm. Meanwhile, Abby goes upstairs to clean. Bridge is outside cleaning the windows. And at some point between then and 11 a.m., Abby suffers 19 hatchet blows to the head. Now, meanwhile, so, so we're, it's 11 a.m. Abby's dead. She's on the floor in the bedroom upstairs. Andrew comes home. <laughs> He doesn't know. He's asking, like, oh, where's Abby? And Lizzie says, oh, she got a message from someone. Like, someone gave her a note to go meet up with her, so she left. Like, carrier pigeon? What the fuck is that? Someone just, like, came to the door with a note. (laughs) So she got a note that someone wanted to talk, so she leaves. So, of course, he doesn't look for her because she's not there. So he goes into the sitting room, and he's dealing with the mail and blah, blah, blah. Then he gets murdered. 
in between, I don't know, it was probably not even an hour. Then Lizzie calls for Bridget saying, someone killed my father. <laughs> then she sticks her head outside the door and the neighbor sees her and she's like, Lizzie, like, what's going on? Because she was like a nosy old neighbor. Mm. Her name's Adelaide Churchill. Everyone has an A name and that's a great name. Right. Adelaide Churchill. I like the name Adelaide. Gives you a, an immediate picture of this old woman. This is why I think they're in England. But they're in Massachusetts. No, they're in Massachusetts. Yep. And so Lizzie tells Adelaide that she'd been in the barn looking for irons for an upcoming fishing trip. What are these people doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. One goes on some morning walk to deliver the mail. One goes, gets a carrier pigeon and fucking books it out and doesn't seem the morning walk person out on them. Like, also, where, what busy city are you living in? And then one just like <laughs> just hanging out in the fucking barn being like, Oh, we're gonna go fishing in five days, better look for those irons. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know means. what that means. No. I've been fishing. I don't I never used an no, iron. But that's where she claims she's in the barn looking for <laughs> I want their life. This gets even better. Okay. So Lizzie and Emma hire a Pinkerton detective because they're like, Solve yes. this murder. Yes. His name's his last name's Hanscom. But guess what? He can't find out what happened to Mr. Borden because two days on the job, he disappears. They don't know what happened to him. He also got an emergency carrier pigeon to go to a different barn to find something. So during an inquest for the case before it goes to trial, Lizzie is just being like, like I kind of love her because she's such a like, because she's being such a sassy bitch, but not in an overt way. Yeah. She's just kind of playing dumb being difficult because she can't be rude to him because the guy asking the questions during yeah. the inquest because she wants to say she's innocent. But so they're asking her, uh, are you on cordial terms, or were you on cordial terms mm-hmm. with your stepmother? And she says, it depends on one's idea of cordiality, perhaps. <laughs> Which is like the fucking best. I love it. And also that is how I talk to my clients. Where I'm like, <laughs> I can't be outright an asshole to you, but I am going to be as sassy as fucking possible. And I like that. I respect it. I like it. Okay. So Lizzie gets arrested on August 11th. She enters a plea of not guilty. She's moved to jail. Also, okay, sorry. What is her story? Like, what is she telling people? So she claims, I know, this is really out of order. but No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm high and missed it. No, 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 no. No, so Lizzie... Basically, she doesn't know. She's straight up telling them. So it's that the reason I brought up the robbery before is because then Andrew insisted on everything being locked. So uh, Lizzie, Abby, and Bridget are all home. There's no way someone could have gotten into the house without breaking in because everything's locked. locked yeah. But Lizzie claims she doesn't know what happened because so Bridget was out washing the windows and she, she was in the barn looking for this fucking iron. So. Bridget is cleaning the window. She doesn't know what happened. And <laughs> Also, Lizzie, don't they live in, like, not the nice houses? So how big is this house? I mean, it's not that big. I'll post a picture, but it's just – because you can, you can stay at it now. It's like a bed oh, and breakfast. Oh, But it's small. Like, it's because it's – not only is it an old house, but he – it was not yeah, one of the Yeah, down in the fucking river it's, valley it's, or yeah. whatever. So, okay. Wow. Uh, the judge – Josiah Blaisdell. This is for the preliminary hearing. Mm-hmm. And he, I have his quote. There is only one thing to do, painful as it may be, 
the judgment of the court is that you are probably guilty <laughs> and you are ordered to wait the action of the superior court. So this first judge is like, okay, so you guys hated each other. You fought all the time. You didn't even eat dinner together. You were home the day it happened. Bridget doesn't know what happened. And the only other two people who could comment on the death are dead. Your excuse is you went to the barn and the whole time you're in the barn, just right behind the house, you didn't hear anything when the stepmother alone had 19 hacks in her head. Yeah, it's probably you. Yeah. So what happens between then and her trial? She lives in sexist America. That's true. During the trial, most of the spectators were women. And they came dressed in holiday attire. Fucking okay. Yeah, they seemed completely unfazed by the gravity of the situation. It was basically theater. Fuck yeah. Which, honestly, I I know it it sounds kind of crazy, but in the 20s in Chicago, that happened. A bunch of women killed their lovers or their spouses. But if they were pretty, like, there are at least five women. Is that what Chicago is based on? Yeah. 100% it's a real thing that happened and of course all the drama between the women and all that is all fabricated but it's based on real women who because they were pretty and dressed well and played the system they played into stereotypes and straight up got away with murder that's great there's a history of that happening in america wow casey anthony yeah so lizzie claims she'd seen someone two weeks prior skulking around the house and then what? He lived there for two weeks. And what? What? Okay. No, this is great. She says, I knew it was a man because I saw no skirts. And she flat out tells them she was certain neither of the date or the time. This doesn't sound fishy at all. <laughs> it was about two weeks ago. I have no idea if the sun was out. But, but I know there was a man. I didn't see it was any a strange, slowy moment. What is important that you take away from this is there was a strange man at our house prior to the murders. <laughs> Bridget Sullivan takes the stand. And now this is the one that, again, she's played by Kristen Stewart in the recent movie. I can't remember who plays her in the Lifetime one. But there are rumors that they were a lesbian couple. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what the movie goes with. But honestly, there really wasn't any evidence I could find that 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 really happened. Especially because so... So Bridget was her name, but she was from Ireland. And at this at this point in time, Irish American, like Irish people in America were not, like people were so racist against them mm-hmm. or xenophobic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the point where every woman, especially when it was the help, they would just call them Maggie. Her name was Bridget, <laughs> but the whole family called her Maggie. And apparently Lizzie did too, which kind of hints that they didn't have a relationship yeah. because you'd think she'd at least call her Bridget because yeah. it's her fucking name. Yeah. So I don't think that was true. But I also I think, do think there is another relationship and I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I also think it's because they're old quote unquote old and single. And so like, Oh, they have to be a lesbian. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Which, uh, Cause Bridget is, is a lot of people like people did not want to suspect Lizzie. Like, the public didn't want to, even though, like, literally everything points to it. But they're just like, there's no way a woman who went to my church could have done that. Yeah. Um, But they do, a lot of times, they're like, well, couldn't it have been Bridget? Because she was an Irish woman and she was a help. That's insane. So it was just, anytime they had a suspect, it was, like, an immigrant worker or something. Like, it was all, there was no 
basis for it. It was just like, well, an immigrant man is more likely to kill someone than right. the daughter who hated her father. Because when I go to other countries, I that's when I feel safest to commit crimes, when I don't oh, know how the system oh, works. Oh, exactly. When you don't know the system, when people are already more suspicious of you for mm-hmm. no reason. That's when I go and I, you know, rob all of Mexico. Like an idiot. So Bridget kind of sealed the case against Lizzie because – her test, I mean, she doesn't have any evidence that Lizzie did it, but her testimony, it goes, it, it highlights the fact that that house was locked all the time. Mm-hmm. They were the only people home. She was cleaning the windows. So if someone had come from the road, she would have probably seen them because she yeah. was outside. I was going to say, also, how did she not see inside to when this was happening? If she's cleaning the windows, but okay. Uh, they probably didn't have the like big fancy uh, windows. They had that- like one. Yeah, they probably had tiny little boxes. <laughs> cleaning and cleaning. <laughs> Same window. Fuck this. My name's not Maggie. <laughs> uh, so during the trial, uh, they published a lot of, I mean, obviously it was press frenzy, mm-hmm. but one of the things was posted by the Boston Globe and it was called Lizzie Borden's Secret. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was threefold. Okay. It said that the secret was that Lizzie was pregnant. Yes. And she wouldn't tell anyone who the baby's father was her and father so, well so her father threatened that if you don't tell me who it is i'm gonna turn you out on the street and the glo- the globe claimed he gave her an ultimatum just before he was killed you know if you don't tell me i'm kicking you out and the article also claims that lizzie had consulted a lawyer to see how the order of death would affect the beneficiaries which i didn't think of but if he's killed first Oh, yeah. Everything goes to Abby's beneficiaries. Yeah. Well, not her. She's dead, too. Well, yeah, yeah. But, like, it would go to her. But exactly. But if if Abby dies first and she died at least an hour ahead, then everything goes to Lizzie and Emma. Yeah. But apparently it was all false. It was complete bullshit. Not to say that we don't think Lizzie's guilty, but what they said in the article was completely false. And they got ripped a new asshole for it, unlike now when – Fake news is fucking. I was gonna say, but also there's still the Boston Globe, which we know as like nowadays. Like they Mm -hmm. survived. Yeah. Well, that's because they They were the only newspaper in the city. No, no, no. There were a ton, (laughs) but that's because after this, everybody was like terrified to print. So even the reporters who were in the courtroom or who were getting notes from the courtroom and knew actual facts of the case, Mm -hmm. they didn't even want to print those. So a lot of the people who were so sympathetic for Lizzie, they didn't know any of the details because it wasn't getting printed. (sighs) Because everyone then at that point was so scared to print something false that they wouldn't even print stuff that was true. Then it seemed like there was another break in the case because there was another axe murder in Fall River. This couple gets killed. Oh, shit! Exactly. But that one, which this was really unfortunate because it just confirms all of their racist, xenophobic beliefs, but a man named Jose Correa de Mayo, he was an immigrant and he was incensed about a pay issue, so he killed people he worked for. But he had also killed other people because there were two murders, but I don't know if they were both couples. But so then it was like, well, that could have been the one who killed the Bordens. Wait, so he killed at least three people. Yeah, there were three people. And so when that happened, because they're like, well, Lizzie's in jail, so there must have been some madmen. But then he confesses to all of them, and it turns out he got to the city after the death. So it couldn't have been him. So then then it, it went from being a break in the case to making Lizzie look worse, because it was like, 
there was another killer, and yeah. then they caught him. So the odds, because one, if he's confessing to three, why would he lie about those? Yeah. And then two, the odds of there being three different axe murders. Yeah. You know what I mean? So once he uh, confesses to the other two, it's like, okay, well, we have the one who did the first one. Yeah. So everything's looking pretty bad for her. Oh, this was something else I picked up because I read this book and like the reporters, the male reporters are so fucking rude about the women, like describing, uh, oh, I talked about how they, they talked about you can't trust Bridget because she's Irish. (laughs) Um, one reporter describing Lizzie said, Lizzie Borden was a bit of a disappointment. She is in truth, a very plain looking old maid. Likened to a typical school marm. School marm? Yeah, they're fucking rude. Then at one point, they're trying to describe the dress she was wearing. Because, so, <laughs> yeah. Lizzie wore one dress to breakfast, and uh-huh. then she was wearing a different dress when the cops were there. Oh, and I thought you meant at the trial they were trying to describe what she was wearing. Oh, no. So, she was, uh, she kept saying, like, well, that was my breakfast dress yeah that was like my you know whatever dress and then she changed in her other dress and they're both just like blue dresses (laughs) but then it comes out that she was seen burning a blue dress which she claims was an old dress of hers that had paint on it so she was just getting rid of it by burning it yeah she claims that she just hadn't gotten around to it and then her sister like like, brought it up i can't throw it away i'm just gonna burn it burn it there's no use for this fabric yeah exactly we'll talk about that more but so she, uh, they're trying to kind of nail down what dresses were which, mm. and they're describing her dress, and literally the cop describes it as a drab calico. <laughs> it was an ordinary, unattractive, common dress that I did not note especially. And then he's like, and I won't speak of it again. <laughs> it's like so fucking rude. I think the meanest one is describing Emma Borden, because remember, she is a bit older than is she an old maid, too? Well, because she's older than Lizzie, and she's still single at this oh, point. Oh, man. So, describing Emma Borden, Joe Howard says, she is a little over 40 years of age and looks it. <laughs> it's like the fucking meanest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. For the trial, of course, of the 150 prospective jurors, they were all men. Sure. And they were all quote unquote solid New England characters, many of whom were anxious to return to their normal activities. Yes, yes. Women were not allowed to serve and would not become jurors in Massachusetts until 1951. Doesn't surprise me. No, because like, you can't fuck. serve till you. You can't be. Till you can vote? Yeah. You can't be. Um, yeah, so they couldn't even vote. Oh yeah, this was one of the so this is one of the things about the murderinos. There was this article, the Fall River Daily Globe, on June seventh, eighteen ninety three, and it was called "Where to Look for Your Wife." Now here's the first line: The new Bedford man who comes home and finds it deserted needn't be alarmed. There has been no elopement. The dear creature is probably in the crowd of morbid females who are storming the door of the county courthouse trying to get admission to the Borden trial. Oh my goodness. I listened to that like three times. It's, you didn't worry. <laughs> there has been no elopement. She's just part of the morbid women. I love it. Morbid I, females. Yeah. Same. I love it. And, and I would be there. And to show how small town this place was, but some guy, one in local, his cow, like, mooed throughout the trial. 
So there would be something big happening, and then it would be punctuated by a loud moo. That's like our podcast. There's something big happening, and then Daisy barks. We're yeah. like, God damn or it. bumps her head on the microphone. Because yeah. remember, we are sitting on the floor of a fort. You know, I'm doing okay with my legs, but I don't know. I'm not. My foot, my right foot is okay. Asleep. Good, good. <laughs> as long as you're suffering too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friend. Uh, so Lizzie was yeah, stoic kid. throughout the whole trial. Uh-huh. That was something that they all remembered: is that she wasn't really emotional. She really didn't speak. But she's a woman. Yeah, she should be very emotional and upset about what's happening, but yeah. she's not. But the one time she did show emotion, they called it a moment of legal theater. <laughs> so the coroner opened, he brought in this just like regular looking handbag. But then when he pulled out what was inside it, it was the late Mr. and Mrs. Borden's skulls. What? what? Yeah, he opened a purse and whipped out their skulls because he wanted to take all the skin off of them and show like where they were hit. Oh, okay. Because there were skull fractures. I mean, she, yeah. But they weren't, ex- no, like literally no one in the courthouse was expecting him to take skulls out of just the bag. <laughs> oh my gosh. You and, know how many went told his wife and he was like, yeah, I walked in and their faces. Oh, yeah, Lizzie fainted. Shit. Not cool, Lizzie. <laughs> oh, and this part is so much worse. His son later revealed that the coroner, why can't I say the word coroner? I don't know. You say it like coroner. Not not usually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like an East Coast thing. I don't know. I'm having a lot of trouble with that word today. Coroner. Coroner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he had used lobster pots at the family home <laughs> to boil away the flesh from their skulls. How fucking. You're like, oh, what are you doing, honey? <laughs> Just boiling are some eggs. Are you having lobster tonight? <laughs> that's, God, that's so gross. I would date him. <laughs> and things just keep getting worse for Lizzie. One of her good friends, Alice Russell, if you remember. I remember Alice Russell. Yep, she tried to sell her a backstory. And Alice told them about her burning the dress. So she, the Sunday after the murders is when she was like, I have to burn this dress all of a sudden. So she, initially she didn't, during the inquest, Alice wouldn't speak. Mm-hmm. But during the grand jury trial, she was like, you know what? I'll fucking do I it. have to. And she, previously she had been visiting Lizzie and after she testified, she stopped visiting her in jail. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so what we were talking about, not needing the fabric. So at this time, there was a thing called a rag bag. Mm-hmm. And so thrifty people, which would have been the Bordens, mm-hmm. when they're done with an old dress or something, they cut it into strips and put it in the rag bag and then they have fabric for whatever they need. So also, that made it... Oh. I had one of those as a kid. Is that, like, not a common thing? I mean, we Or had, maybe we were just really thrifty as well. I had... We had old, like, washcloths that we would use for stuff, but... We literally would cut up our clothing, and then they would become the washcloths and cleaning supplies. Yeah, we didn't do that. Oh, my God. But so, it was especially suspicious that Lizzie burned her dress, because it just had paint on it. Supposedly. You can't waste fabric! Yeah, why would you... Wasted. Yeah, it just has paint on it. I have those leggings that I loved that got covered in your paint when we were doing your room. Yeah. And I wear them around still. Yeah, for sure. So Hosea Knowlton was the the prosecutor. And as, you know, common sense dictated, he was saying it was Lizzie. And one of the things he called into account was all the time she changed her story. Like, I I remember I was reading about the 
inquest, you know, she said that she went out to the barn to get the hooks for fishing. And then during the trial, they're like, but why, that wouldn't have taken you like 20, 30 minutes. You would have just gone yeah. in. You wouldn't have wanted to hang out in the barn. And then I mean, Lizzie says that they had, they had, so they had, they, you know, like most people back then, they grew a bunch of their own fruits and vegetables okay. and stuff. So she picks a couple peaches. In the when, barn? No, she oh. picks a couple peaches and then she ate them in the barn there was like a little window and she sat by and ate them and he's like well you didn't tell me that before and she was like you didn't ask oh my god this bitch she really is i mean i don't know maybe she has a barn cat i would hang out in a barn i feel like they're kind of just i don't know what's in that barn there's got to be an animal in that barn probably chickens i think they have chickens also who eats multiple peaches in one sitting i don't know i'm not a big peach person Mm. i go through phases where i like peach iced tea I love peaches, but, like, I just can't imagine eating, like, I can eat a bunch of, like, blueberries or raspberries, but, like, I can't imagine eating, like, two apples. Like, that was oh, good. I want another true. apple, you know? Like, no. You Whereas eat one eat piece of fruit. Or a bunch of strawberries. Actually, I don't know. Bananas are kind of thin. I don't think I could do two bananas. I could do, like, a bunch of strawberries. I think that's the largest of the foods, fruits I could eat more, more than, of. okay. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, a, that's probably that's fair. What about watermelon? Yeah, but you can eat endless it. amounts of watermelon because yeah. it's just basically water and fiber. It really, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, multiple peaches. Yeah, that's Don't weird. be silly. But his – so her lawyer, George Robinson, had previously, previously been the governor of Massachusetts. So she – Wow, went, damn. Yeah. She went all out. Yeah. And well, she has all that money. I mean, they had money and then they've been ragbagging it, so now it's doubled. <laughs> yeah. And Robinson said that her inconsistent testimony is proof she's a woman. Sure. Not proof she's a murderer. It's so hard as a woman to be able to tell facts. <laughs> to remember facts. what I said. You know, I can I can learn one math problem and three facts, and then everything else has to be emotion. It's just how our bodies function. That's yeah. the only thing We're that can come out of our mouth. remembering a story, especially one that has to do with us getting jailed for murder. Yeah, and my whole family dying. And then he adds that... Variations in witnesses' accounts are often signs of truthfulness, which they have talked about on different podcasts. True. You know, for example, if there was a murder and I got, you know, pulled into jail today and they were like, what did you do on Thursday at 2 p.m.? I'd be like, fuck. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, let's think I what I did. probably at work. Five hours. <laughs> I would literally have to go back like every five hours. Like I'd be like, it'd be like five o'clock and I'd be like, okay, let me remember this morning. And then I have to go back and remember the night. So if you were asking me about something two weeks ago, I can get there, but it's going to take us like three hours of going back exactly. and retelling it. Exactly. And the thing, like the point normally is the reason that innocent people would have a hard time remembering is because there was nothing. Yeah. Nothing happened. Nothing. There was nothing out of the ordinary. Right. But even, but for Lizzie in this case, I feel like even if she didn't do it, you'd still remember because their fucking parents died that day. Yeah, and you found them. You, t- you were in exactly. that spot. You'd remember every second of that day. Because I know if it were me, and obviously in that situation, I wouldn't have done it. Though I believe Lizzie did. I would be sitting there like, I was in a fucking barn when they got... You know oh what my I mean? god. You'd remember every step because I'd be like, one, oh my god, that could have been me. And two, I could have done something. Yeah. I was right there and I didn't know. I was... 10 when 9-11 happened I oh remember my God. Every I remember exactly thing. where I was I 
I remember breaking it to my family. And I think about that all the time. Is like I remember every moment of that day because something crazy yeah. happened. I wasn't involved, but so that's what I'm saying. Like for Lizzie, even if she were innocent, I think she. It doesn't make sense to me. Right, the fact that she connected. is changing her yeah. story makes me think she's guilty because she would remember yeah. your parents died, especially that brutally. Yeah, you would know. And if you were in the location, too. yeah, like it's not like you're the across house. the country and then you're like, oh, I get this. Because like call. Emma was actually out of town. Yeah, no, or they probably don't have phones then. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So everybody was so puzzled because they refused to let themselves believe that a woman could do something like this. So I pulled one quote. So all the journalists believed Lizzie was innocent, but could not figure out who was guilty, and. So they were always talking, you know, like, if Miss Borden didn't do it, who did? Right. And Elizabeth Jordan, I don't know if this was a joke. I don't think they were that – well, maybe they were funny because that other piece about where your wife was funny. <laughs> but she wrote – she thought it could be a gorilla. A gorilla was indicated by the appearance of the rooms. <laughs> now, why a gorilla would be in Fall River, Massachusetts, she doesn't say. One of those rich people on the hills has a pet gorilla. gorilla. See, I want to, I want to play into this joke, but the I just need to acknowledge the fact that gorillas are like terror, terrifyingly strong. So even if you were a stupid rich person, you would get like a capuchin, like Ross on Friends. What's you a would fucking capuchin. It's like Marcel on Friends. Oh. Do you know my mom had a monkey like that? Yeah, we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, No, because the reason I know is, one, because of Friends, but also my sister and I used to be obsessed with this movie when we were kids. It was called Monkey Trouble, and it starred Thora Birch, who is the one from Hocus Pocus, and... Uh, Which one is she from Hocus Pocus? Danny. The main one? She's the little girl. Oh, okay. And she was in, um, she's in Now and Then. Never seen that. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, she's in it, and she's take, she gets this, like, little monkey, and she has to hide it from everyone. It's just, like, it was, like, the dream as a kid, and we watched that fucking movie all the time. I always wanted a monkey, and my mom would be like, you can't have a monkey. And I'm like, you have no ground to stand on because That's you true. had one when you were a child. Which is really hard to say. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, well, it was so hard for me to get rid of it when I went off to college because she got it in high school. And I'm like... Yeah, which is why I'm asking you at five for a monkey so I don't have to worry about it. Like, it's probably going to be dead by then. Oh, my God. Also, that whole thing, like, because here's the thing that they always, like, talk about. Like, if you, if there's no one else, you know, like, I don't like the idea that, like, if you, like, you're the suspect and if you can't find someone else who did it, then that means that you did it. Like, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't logically pan out. But it's a thing where it's, like, you're the only person around. And that's the thing that bugs me about O.J. Simpson is, like, yes. people, like, okay, like, it, I can say, like, okay, there's not substantial enough proof, but then who did it? And people are, like, well, and I'm, like, but that's the thing. There's no one else. To, like, it's yeah. one thing if you're, like, trying to decide, but literally if you're, like, that's the yeah, only like, possible. This, this house is locked. These people were, there's proof that these people were home. Two of them are dead. You had to have done it. Yeah. And it's like, with the OJ thing, like, if you follow the, like, police thing, it's like, oh, it's a police conspiracy. So someone was a police officer and either killed them or knew the person that killed them and then, like, got the evidence and was like, okay, we're going to frame OJ. 
Like, what the fuck does that even no make sense. sense? I mean, I'm all about like because he was people being he shitty, was beloved. But, yeah, and so he pro he was in movies and he was a famous athlete. He probably lived in a gated community. Yeah. Yeah, this it doesn't Well, and any, even if you like go well, the like, with, oh, like, he was a rich black man, so they felt intimidated. But like, then yeah, then they either either they had to kill her, or or in him, or they had to happen just happen to stumble upon like, oh my, it was my brother that killed him. Like it makes it makes no sense. It's also like I know I keep bringing it up, but I just listened to a podcast on her, Casey Anthony. It's yeah. like no, like you, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's the thing is they. They couldn't – they said they couldn't prove that she did it, but they also couldn't prove who did it. Like, if she didn't, who did – it just was like, – yeah. it was a bunch of, like, well, I guess I, – honestly, I think with Casey it was the same thing. I think yeah. it was a, a young girl, and everybody was like, there's no way she could have killed her baby, which is, like, just because you would never hurt a child, especially your child, doesn't mean someone else wouldn't. There are plenty of serial killer – moms who've killed a bunch of kids not even serial killers like postpartum depression is yeah. a thing oh so real so, that's why i like if i ever have a kid i want it to be taken away from me for like the first week because i just i know my like body and i feel like i just have postpartum depression and i would definitely try and kill my child oh my god yeah still want to have one but um just don't want to be with it the first week great another red flag speaking <laughs> of red flags was so in the basement where she burned her dress, there was also a metal pail and it had scraps of fabric that had blood on them. And the inside <laughs> of Lizzie's dress had blood, but she said it was from her period. And because all of the jurors <laughs> and prosecutors were all men. They, they were like, oh yes, it bleeds all over. <laughs> they didn't want to talk about it. And it was crazy to me because like, I get how the pro- the defense is like, it was her period. See, she kept the scraps of period blood in a pail and that's but why burned her perfectly yeah burned her dress that had paint on it but kept the bloody you know period <laughs> but even the prosecutor when he was like oh it was her sickness they called it her monthly sickness and he was like okay <laughs> no further questions oh my goodness boys are so funny and they believed that which is this is funny because this makes less sense to me why they wouldn't want to pursue it because they believe that menstruation made women vulnerable to criminal impulses, not even to be hysterical, literally criminal impulses, which if that's the case, then why wouldn't you be saying like insanity? Like, Oh, she went crazy and killed them because she had her period. Yeah. But they literally just didn't want to talk about it. And, yeah, and don't forget that we also have a pharmacist on record saying that Lizzie tried to buy poison. And they ask him, like, oh, did he, did she buy pads or whatever? And he's just like, I can't talk about that. Yeah, no. I'll totally talk about the poison, the seal skin cape, but (laughs) please don't ask me about period stuff. (laughs) And Robinson disputed this because... He was like, well, even if she did try to buy poison, she didn't kill them by poison. They were killed by a sharp object. I mean. It's not related regardless. I mean, that's a terrible legal theory. But also, if they were getting sick, like, why didn't you just wait until they got poisoned? Like. She didn't. And so the judge threw all of that out because they weren't killed by poison. So they were like, it's not relevant to the case. Sure. 
the pros- it was a rumor that the prosecution was going to make the argument that, as they show in the Lizzie film, she took off all her clothes and killed them in the nude so they were mm. there wouldn't be blood all over her clothes. And people found that idea more shocking than the idea that she killed her family. <laughs> that she would be naked and bleeding all over her legs because she's on her period, killing her father. Lizzie's lawyer in particular <laughs> called it a peculiarly French theory. <laughs> so again, oh they goodness. literally wouldn't even talk about it because it was too risque. And their whole thing is basically the Brock Turner defense, where it was mm. like, she goes to church, and she's one of my daughter's friends. Look how friends. handsome he is. She he couldn't can. have killed yeah. someone. It's just not possible. Her lawyer says, in order to find her guilty, you must find her to be a fiend. Does she look it? Remember, <laughs> no, she's just a plain school mom. I was going to say, I mean, on the one hand, they're like, you don't look like a murderer. But on the other hand, they're like, you look awful. Mm-hmm. They're just, just can't catch her. Oh, and it gets it gets even better. One of the reasons the prosecution argued Lizzie did it mm-hmm. is because the blows were badly aimed. So uh, it had to have been a woman. Bitch can't even hit someone with an axe. I mean, I don't know how they were badly aimed because they both fucking died. I was gonna say, and like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what are you aiming for? You're hitting the head. Like, I would think that's a pretty, you know, good place to hit. But yeah, that was the reason, because no man could be imperfect. Also, again, I would like to point out, they both died. So, yeah. the hits counted. Yeah. It is believed that Abby was the actual and perhaps only intended victim. Their theory is that she killed Abby because they didn't get along. Mm-hmm. And then her father came home, and she didn't have time to deal with handling that situation with him. So, she just killed them both. Sure. Instead of the much more logical thing, was she kills Abby and then she kills her father in that order, and she and Emma get all get all the money. Money. They literally refused to consider that as an option because it was so dark, and they could not believe that a daughter would kill her father for something as stupid and shallow as money. They literally like it was stricken from the record that that could have been a possibility, which is absolutely bad shit to me you know how massachusetts has like some of the best public schools and like in boston like one in five people are in a university i feel like after this trial they realized how stupid their state was and And so they just like went crazy with the education it's possible because another thing that we haven't brought up again is the fucking note the reason andrew doesn't doesn't know that abby's dead is she's just laying on the floor upstairs. Oh, but the right. reason that he doesn't know she's dead is because Lizzie, like, blatantly tells him, oh, someone gave her a note, and so she went to go meet someone. No one ever stepped forward. So the prosecutor was like, it had to have been Lizzie. And the judge is literally like, what motive would she have had to make up the note? What motive? She's distracting her father so that he doesn't know his wife is missing right? so that she can then kill him. It's all motive. What isn't motive about that? I don't understand. The judge. Now, this wasn't her defense lawyer. This was the fucking judge who said that. Sure. Sure. Oh, God. Yeah, so like I said, Nolan couldn't even accuse her of the premeditation because people wouldn't hear it. (laughs) And when it came time for Lizzie to speak, she just said... 
I am innocent. I leave it to my counsel to speak for me. I mean, that's probably a good idea. Oh, I forgot to say that at some point, it's super random, which makes it seem fake. But uh, Andrew wore this like very simple gold band and Lizzie claimed that it was a gift from her and her father wore it and he was buried in it. And so they claim that, that that was proof that they did get along and why would she ever want to kill her father? And when they brought up, when Robinson, their lawyer, or Lizzie's lawyer, brought up the ring in court, she and Emma both cried. So everybody was like, she couldn't have hurt her father. She loved him so much. Even though everyone fucking what? knew. Like oh she talked God. shit about her stepmother to her friend who talked about it in court. But... All that being said, it took less than an hour and a half to say that she was innocent. Sure. And in reality, it wasn't even that long because the jury said they sat idle for at least a half hour to seem polite to the court. <laughs> so I they mean, literally came in and they were like, she's innocent, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Let's just sit here for a while. Let's hang so out. Rude. Yeah. And they literally did hang out. After the verdict was read, they all went to a bar. Love it. And. This is why I want to be on jury duty. And for at least a decade after the trial, they would meet up annually. Fuck yes. Now also remember that this was the 1860s. So they, temperance was a huge thing. When they were, when they were sequestered for the trial, because they had to be because there was so much going on. Yeah. They were in hotel rooms by themselves. They couldn't even talk to their partners. Mm -hmm. And. Whatever media they did have at the time, they couldn't have access to, so they were bored as fuck, and they weren't allowed to to drink, because they were part of the court and the whole temperance bullshit. Oh. So for, like, months, they're all just trapped with each other, and they can't do anything. So, so they, of course they become friends. And literally the second the trial, like, it says that the, the book I was reading said that they were so excited that the foreman didn't even wait for the judge to finish asking for the verdict before he said that Lizzie was innocent. Oh and then God. they all left and went immediately to a bar. I love them. <laughs> and I and so want to be called for jury duty. <laughs> the uh, Lizzie apparently after the fact wrote each of them individual thank you letters. I mean. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I was probably She probably would have been great to death. Yeah. Because that's what they were all about before. So after that, she and Emma get the money. They move to where she always wanted to live, top of the Hill District. Fuck yeah, they're moving on up. And not only did they move to the Hill District, but Lizzie gets a fucking granite, granite steps, and she chisels in the name Maplecroft, because that's what they decided to name the home. <laughs> and actually, everybody thought it was a little bit tacky that she like was living so luxuriously and like yeah. naming her house and shit. But she didn't care. She changed her name from Lizzie to Lizbeth of Maplecroft. Of course she did. Uh, she dropped her Christian charities, although <laughs> it's rumored they dropped her. Oh, shit. This is where the, this is the most founded of all of the lesbian rumors is Lizzie was really close to an actress of the time named Nance, I think, Nance O'Neill. Okay. And so they were rumored to have had a relationship. And they Nance was an actress and she was very flashy and they would have parties and Lizzie would throw She was one of those French people, wasn't she? Probably. She uh <laughs> although her name sounds more Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually would be funny because then 
if it were true, right. the two women Lizzie had been when been with were both Irish women. <laughs> hey, what what? Shout out. So yeah, she would have parties where they would have the whole cast of like whatever show Nance was in, and they'd have all this champagne. And Lizzie had previously been part of the temperance movement, so uh-huh. now they were like, um, "What are you doing?" What? Yeah, and so eventually Emma moved out because she just couldn't she didn't approve of the way her sister was living because remember her sister was technically still an old maid at the time so now she's not only an old maid but she's living in a fancy house by herself throwing parties with actresses and drinking champagne that's insane so the town just fucking hated her they were so supportive of her during the trial but then once she was free and actually living her life the way she'd always wanted to Mm -hmm. they were like fuck you they would say like if she went to a store then a week or so later or a couple days later they'd have cops go to her house and be like oh well you know did she- you try and buy poison <laughs> they so it was like the shopkeepers would tell their bosses who own the stores like oh lizzie stole something and they didn't know oh so they're like gosh. yeah so then they said and they it, it would get to the point where it was annoying and she never got arrested because they never had proof yeah they just didn't like her so she you know becomes withdrawn Emma's moved out at this point. This is 1905, so is when Emma moves out. On June 1st, 1927, Lizzie died quietly. She Mm. instructed that she be buried by her father. Okay. Her grave was bricked, so no one could disturb it. (laughs) And then, even though they had moved out and weren't, you know, living together, I think they must have still had some kind of connection because Uh her sister died just 10 days later. Oh, shit. She was also buried in the family plot, so now they're all reunited. Whatever happened, they're all reunited and Where is the mom buried? That's what I wanted. They're with everyone. Oh, with the original one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. I'm glad they're all together. their graveyard, or, like, where they're buried is less than 10 miles from the home where, on 2nd Street, where... 10 miles, that's long. Less than two miles. I was going to say, I mean, that's a little bit. (laughs) It sounded longer than I remember it. Yeah, no, it was less than two miles from their home where allegedly Lizzie murdered her parents. So you can go and stay in the bed and breakfast where she murdered them and then go and have a picnic on their grave. On their grave, yeah. I'm down. Is that, yeah, we should. I mean, I really like Massachusetts. We should do that. Uh, something really interesting that I found is that apparently in Massachusetts, there are original files on Lizzie Borden from the murder, but because of attorney privilege client, attorney attorney client client privilege, privilege. I literally wrote it wrong. (laughs) Attorney privilege client. I mean, fuck, I don't, I wasn't high when I did this. (laughs) Um, yeah. Attorney client privilege. Uh, even though, even though she, the client is dead at this point, actually at this point, the lawyer and the client are I dead. I was going to say, I think it passes when. No, at the, or I guess in back Massachusetts, then? there's no expiration date. So it's 125 years later and they still can't re- release these documents. That's insane. Yep. I don't, I'm sure the laws have changed, but that's how the I was going to say, because isn't that the whole thing with, um all read is that she like was hated because she she had some she had some client like that was a serial killer and then she couldn't release like who the other victims were but she knew but um, even though he was convicted like it was still attorney client privilege so then when they were like when they died she released all of them i don't know anyways she's the one that defended the uh women or 
helped represent the women that prosecuted Bill Cosby. Whew. But <laughs> was that in Massachusetts? I don't know. I just assume if you're like a top lawyer, you normally have reciprocity between like California, New York, and Massachusetts. Oh, is Massachusetts like a big place? Oh, it's like a big law place. Well, that's what I meant. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just it's stopped. Kind of a big I just state. stopped because you got it. I was gonna say a big place for law, but then you just answered because you knew what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, okay, I sincerely didn't know Massachusetts I was mean, a big law place, but at the very least, it's also. Bottom line, they have to respect it. So yeah. it might have just been like grandfathered in. I'm yeah, yeah. sure they've changed. If it was like that, I'm sure they've changed it. But for this particular document or documents, so it, I mean, she's there's like a 99% chance that she's guilty. Yeah. But it's still just kind of crazy that there are actual papers about this that we just can't know. They exist and we're just not allowed to see them. I hope they're preserving them too. Like, you know, just in case anything ever changes. Yeah, so that's Lizzie Borden. Wow. Um, it's a crazy case because it seems so obvious, and it's just such obvious sexism. Like, the fact – I just yeah. will never get over the fact that they – that was so much evidence that they just completely ignore because she's like, oh, it was my period. And they – these grown men were so afraid to talk about something so scandalous that – they, they just struck it from the record. That's hilarious. <sighs> Fragile men out there. Yep. Toxic masculinity. Yep. It helps and Lizzie Borden. Guess what? You guys also have periods. You just don't bleed. So. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it. I think we're not really functioning at a super no. high level right now. So we should probably sign off. Uh, we're not. Sorry if we pause too much during that. Like I said, it's our birthday weekends, so... So you have to be nice to us. And also, we're just not going to be all... We're, we're just not going to work that hard. No. Unless I'm, it's to have fun. Oh, yeah. Or actual work, because I'm well, yeah. really busy with actual work. Yeah. So that's <laughs> One it. of these days, I will actually prepare a murder, and yeah. you'll get to hear me talk, but... Yeah. It's going to be when I want to put in effort, so... So never. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> So this is – we'll have another case next week, hopefully, unless, like I said, we're celebrating birthday stuff and don't do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. What else is there? Twitter. Twitter and it's all High website? Crime Pod. No. Yeah, we have a website, highcrimepod.com. Email us at info at highcrimepod.com. Um, yeah, share whatever stories you think are super interesting and should go on. If you know anything more about these cases, I'm down with interesting facts and we're going to go get ready to go to the beach and then go get drunk while playing French trivia. Yeah. And if we win, which we will, I'll tell you about it. There's nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. If we don't win, we're not going to. If we don't win, I'm going to be actually like a little upset. Because Kayla okay, is like you're putting really a lot good of pressure friend. on me. Well, here's the thing: I started. Wa- I watched almost the entire series in the last like week and a half. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I got to like Charlie. Oh shit! Yeah. So like, it's now. So like before, whereas I was like, if we don't win, Kayla, who are you? It's like now, if it's we don't win, and we have the- other people meeting us there who also like oh my friends. God. I was going to say, I don't have any friends here right, yet, so right. these are actually Kayla's friends, friends celebrating yeah. my birthday as well as hers. Yes. It's going to be fun. All right. So, should we count down and say the phrase that I forgot last time? Yes. One, two. That's not counting down. That's counting up. Oh, fuck.
God damn it, Kaylee. Three. I told you I'm bad with numbers. <laughs> Three, two, one. Later, Later buds. buds. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.